welcome back to the BRD Artist Highlight Podcast. In this episode, I speak with Amanda Frost. Frost works primarily in paintings and pointillism, which you'll learn more about in the episode. She also enjoys riding sport bikes and playing guitar, but I'll let her tell you more about that. I hope you enjoy the show. seem like that old of a movie no it uh, doesn't it's not a dated movie no that's the thing is it, it feels like ahead of its time some of the ways they how ferris talks to the camera and just the way they put things together it very much could be a movie that came out like around now yeah <laughs> 80s movies um i guess a lot of folks probably look back and think this is not aged well yeah but a lot of them have yeah they have and they're kind of like that person you know coming ferris bueller who they're un- unapologetically themselves. They're uh, 80s movies, Top Gun. Yes. It, it's not trying to be anything else than like that sort of riding a motorcycle at 200 miles an hour kind of feeling. Right. And motorcycles. Yes. You ride motorcycles. Also. I do. Yes. Um, so you purchased a new to you Kawasaki Ninja recently. It, yes, I did. So for some so for people who aren't familiar with motorcycles, what, what, how would you describe that motorcycle? Uh, okay, well it's a sport bike. So there are two kinds of bikes. There's the crotch rocket, and then there's the cruiser. So mm. the crotch rocket is the sport bikes, and then the cruiser is more like your Harley Davidson kind of style. So it's mm, yeah. So they they all go fast. Yeah, but these are the speedy ones that you see on the racetrack. Right. What do you most enjoy about riding crotch rockets? I <laughs> Racing like, bikes? I, well, I don't race too much. I mean, that can get dangerous, but uh, some people think that motorcycles themselves are dangerous, which they can be, but it's a lot of knowing your surroundings. Uh, yeah, I can but, imagine. Um, but I find crotch rockets, just the freeness, mm. just getting out there and being free, you're just surrounded. It's, I, I don't know how to describe the feeling, it, it just feels freeing. I am... You can just hop on the bike yeah. and go. Right. There's nothing around you. You feel the wind. Yeah. 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 I probably fall into that category of people who um, find riding motorcycles or bikes dangerous because it, I have to look after myself, like make sure I'm focused. Yeah. And then there's all the variables of all the other people on the road. Exactly. Who I, I frankly, I don't distrust, but I certainly don't trust them. I, you can't trust them. No. No. You have to think three steps ahead mm. of them. Yeah. And the trouble with me is that I believe that I ought to get like wild. I go in la-la land as far mm-hmm. as like thinking about stuff that I've got to do or stuff that happened. 
And I don't think on the motorcycle you can do that. No, you have to be very proactive mm -hmm. and not reactive, because mm -hmm. if you're reactive, mm -hmm. it's too late half the time. Right. That's why I think you've probably heard them. I've heard them. Stories from people who never had a bike yeah. and have bought one. And then sooner or later, usually sooner, they have that incident. Mm -hmm. Something happens and it scares the hell out of them and they sell it. Yes. Or they park it forever. Yeah. And I've heard that from really close friends. And I'm not saying that's everyone, because it hasn't happened before. You haven't given up on riding motorcycles. No, I had a mini stroke years ago and that didn't even stop me. I pulled the bike out even when I, <laughs> my arm was still numb and wow. I rode it down the street and when I came to a stop sign I, I had to stop and I dropped the bike. Oh wow. And I was lucky enough that someone was behind me, that a guy was behind me and he picked the bike up for me and I mean it rattled me, yes, and I went back, and, but I kept riding around the neighborhood and got back on it. And, but I just kept going back out. Glutton for punishment. I yeah, guess. yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of artists are gluttons for punishment. Yes, we are. <laughs> if, for, for everyone who uh, is not familiar with your work, how would you describe yourself as an artist? Well, I like to give the viewers a challenge. So I do a lot of pointillism, which is a picture composed entirely of dots. Right. D-O-T-S. I don't know if you'd understand that, because I have an English accent. Okay, well, everyone, that, to be clear, these are dots that, there's thousands of them. Yes. And they form a, a whole different picture. Yes. Right. Black and white picture. But I also do paintings. And I don't do your normal colors. I will change the color palette, or I will, I will change the colors on it, and it's more fun. <laughs> I like to give the viewer something that sort of stands out and says, "Hey, it just popped." With my pointillism, it's completely different. You have to be focused in mm -hmm. a sense, because you, you're sitting in one spot and you're just doing the dots in certain mm -hmm. areas but at the same time your mind can wander and just and do you that's when i do my thinking a lot of the time okay so that must be nice that you can do more than one thing mm -hmm. while you're working on this painting that might yeah. take is it weeks to do a pointillism pointillism can take months months because i do like the, the uh 16 by 20 size um like the one of the first, the one I call first responders, which is the red deer ghost of the horses that's outside the library. Um, that took about a month to do, and I was working on it probably eight hours straight a day. With some breaks in between, obviously, because my hands get too cramped in the yeah, days. I would say. Yeah. Something like that because there's so much detail because you've got a brick building, yeah. with all the little individual bricks. Yeah, that's a lot of planning, I, I would think, right? The shadows. Yes. Yeah, it's it's really impressive how, at the end, the result is really impressive. I don't know how it feels when you're starting. Maybe it feels like you're not getting anywhere. I don't know. But I wish you could see. 
progress a bit quicker with paintings. I think that's one reason why I got into paintings is because you can see the progress a lot quicker. You can see how it's shaping. With pointillism, I've learned to figure out how it's shaping up and right. what I need to do to make it go further. But it just, the process takes longer for me. Yeah. Paintings I can do pretty quickly, but and some other artists don't like me because I can do it so quick. <laughs> so I can see that. I can understand that for sure. The fact is some things take longer than others. Yep. I, in, I think there must be like a sort of trust in yourself when you start a pointillism painting that this is going to work out. Yeah. Even though it takes this long, I believe that at the end I'm going to be happy. It has to, because yeah. if I mess up, I have to start all over again, because you can't erase pen. How often has that happened before? A couple of times, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. One wow. time my cat got up on the counter and on my drafting table and walked right across the one area that I'd just started with the pen, and it hadn't yet soaked into the paper, and next thing you know, it smudged, and I had to start all over, and I was almost finished the... Oh. Pointillism. I was heartbroken. <laughs> How, how's that cat doing? <laughs> I could say she died, but <laughs> it was of natural causes. In the sense that she did bring it on herself. <laughs> oh, that's crushing. I would never. I know enough of cats that I would never trust them around my stuff. No. Well, the cat oh, I have oh. now is pretty good. She's. I put a little box down beside what I'm painting and or pointillism she leaves me alone but the oh, drafting table she doesn't usually bug me too much as long as I feed her but mm -hmm. painting she'll get because uh, I stand when I'm painting usually mm -hmm. and she'll get in between my feet if I'm not looking and trip me up and <laughs> that's happened a couple of times and I've landed right on my ass so because <laughs> you got to fall away from the painting yeah oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> and and avoid her too. Of course, so yeah. They got pets have that magical way of being underfoot when they when they least expect it. Oh definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I had a question I wanted to ask you about pointillism. It's basically oh, so because it, it's very precise mm -hmm. and it has to be. Yeah. Do you find that you need some sort of anarchy to come from somewhere to keep it from being too, too precise. Does that make sense? Like, do you feel like it's too rigid because you? I like rigid. Oh, okay. Well, I like structure because I have OCD too. So, I right. like I like a bit of order. And your painting is a perfect place. Painting is different. I can go wild right. with that, but pointillism is very precise. So in. Right, because so pointillism two has different no strokes. Styles. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. It's ex there's an explicit difference between painting and pointillism. Yeah. So do they cons they're considered drawings? Or are they considered... I've never thought about it that way. They're considered pen and inks. Okay. Yeah. Because it is pen and ink. Well, I, I looked up a bit about it because I knew I'd seen them before. It's been around for a long time, mm -hmm. I guess. It looks really cool in color as well. Yeah, it does. Um, did you go to like formal art training? No. No, okay. I can understand why anyone would do it. I did it. 
Um, but I, it's an interesting thing that it's not essential, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was given a book of different drawing techniques, and I saw, I happened to see this example of a beetle, I think it was, done in pointillism. Mm. And I mm. loved the effect of how the shine on his back yeah. was coming out. I'm like, I wonder if I could do this for buildings, because I love buildings because of architecture. I just love architecture and statues. and right. So I tried it, and uh, I started doing a series of buildings that represent countries like the White House and Taj Mahal, and, and uh, they turned out really well. I was really happy with them and sold a couple of those. and But, yeah. What's it like to sell your first piece of artwork? Surreal. <laughs> like someone's actually going to pay money to buy your stuff. <laughs> that must be really cool. It is. It's it's a privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel kind of bittersweet because you have to part with it? Yeah, especially pointillisms. Well, paintings too. Some of them you have a bit more of a connection with. Well, you have a connection with all of them, I think. Everyone does, but... I mean, obviously you can keep the original if you so desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as something you spend weeks or months with. Yeah. You know, I've never asked, like, a carpenter, do you miss this chair? Do you miss this table when you sold it? Did you, yeah. not, did you wish you could keep it? I've never thought of that. Yeah. I wonder if it's the same. Your father was a draftsman, right? He was. So do you think that's where your love of like buildings comes from? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. It was interesting to me that that was basically his profession was your main sort of introduction to artwork. Yes. Or the, the craft of drawing things. Yeah. And and you sort of proceeded down that road in a but in a very different direction because you don't design buildings. No. Not that I know of. No, I don't. But I was good at math, so okay. I, and I was good at drawing straight lines, <laughs> so. <laughs> does that, does math play into painting at all, or artwork? It can do. Okay. Yeah. I have had as little to do with math as possible since I, I graduated, and I, there's this sort of stereotype that like people who are in art aren't good at math, I don't know where, where that comes from. Yeah. But it's good to know that that's a false thing, that not everyone who, who is in art does it because they couldn't be a scientist. Well, it's like whatever. mathematics in the sense that you need to cut or see an image in thirds uh, to, to show interest in the painting you don't just put a paint you don't just put an image in the dead center of a mm, painting okay. if you want to draw interest to an image you offset it right. so that's where the mathematics comes in and you're like okay one third up kind of one third off and you play around that way and you know huh. you're just burying the image around the canvas and in different, you sort of cut it into sections and say, okay, what can I put in this 
I want some negative space. I want nothing in this area. Right. I want to draw attention to lead your eye off yeah. into the distance, but still onto the canvas. I remember you said to me that um, art for you is very much like a sense of purpose. Yes. And I guess you probably recognized that very early on. Yeah, it's always been, like I'd said to you earlier, it was a sense of, it gave me, it was my therapy. Right. I needed to work out a lot of stuff in my head, and mm -hmm. so I found an escape, and it was also a focus. It was something I could focus on that was tangible, mm -hmm. and right. at the end of the day, but at the same time, my thoughts had been worked out, hopefully. I would, would you say it's been a very uh, helpful influence in your life? It has, yeah. yeah, definitely. It's kept me on an even keel right. numerous times. I know I hear that um, from artists who, the same way they, they might say that music kept them on yeah. an even keel or that. Have you met a lot of interesting people through art? I have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of odd people, maybe? No. Okay, good. No, okay. not more odd than me, <laughs> I don't think. Well, because in, in normal, more normal times, of course, you, I know you've participated in like the art classes that happen down here at the gallery, and I assume you've taught some, although I don't actually know that for sure. I have taught some, and I've also done uh, something called Art Battle. Art Battle, okay. So I don't know if you know about that. No. So there are 12 artists. You have two rounds of six. And you have 20 minutes to do a live painting. You have no reference, no <laughs> nothing. And you just go right at it, competing with all these other artists. Right. And you're doing it live with an audience. So, like, huh. we did it at Bose Bar and Grill at one point. I don't know if I'm allowed to, to plug Bose Bar and Grill, but... Yeah, you did. Okay, there <laughs> we go. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, so, so we did it there once, and... Uh, but, yeah, so... All the audience, they walk around and see you as you're... Yeah. ...working on this painting 20 minutes, and the time goes, and then they get to... Uh, vote for the best one and then it, it's a national it's an international competition because it's a worldwide competition it goes to provincials then it goes to Canadians and it goes to worlds and so yeah so you were involved in that once or I've been in it two or three times I believe that thing you were talking about earlier about being able to paint quickly yeah that must come in real handy yeah. <laughs> in a contest like that, and I can see why other artists would be like pulling their hair out. Like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> and it also must be fun. That must feel like it's two minutes long. It does, yeah. yeah. Especially when you want the paint to dry in the background, and you're like, come on, I just want to get to the detail part. You have, how long did you say? Half an hour? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah. It's a headwind. Are you allowed to pick the, the paint? I want watercolor, I want oil. No, want it's acrylic. just acrylic. Okay. Oh, it's all acrylic and it's usually only primary colors. So you've got <laughs> your blue, yellow, your red, 
and your black and white and that's it and you have to pretty much mix what you what you need on the canvas right and I guess practice would yeah you have practice to practice have, yeah, yeah. make a huge difference yeah would that be cheating to just like pick someone who's standing behind your easel and then start painting them <laughs> you could <laughs> I don't know if you can do it in 20 minutes, but it depends how good you are. I don't know what you can paint in 20 minutes. I You'd be surprised what some people come up with. Some people come up with some really terrific pieces. I well, see. they all do. It's yeah. ju just, just being there is hell-raising at times. <laughs> First time I did it, I was shaking. My hand was shaking. I could not wow. just, just the adrenaline going yeah. through. Imagine as soon as it's in that sort of on a clock, live audience, yeah, all that stuff. But then you get in the zone halfway through it, and mm. you just, and then, but yeah, that's when it becomes two minutes because you're yeah. like, oh, what happened? Ooh. Yeah. And then, who judges that? It's uh, like I said, the audience, whoever's there, they they will pick the winner and they will bid. And they, they do a silent auction for all the paintings eventually. So So you could stack the jury. You would give your friends vouchers for like free wings? And they all came down? Do you have like twenty friends in the audience? Some people do that. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Shenanigans. Yeah. He's, yeah. No. It's good to have <laughs> friends, we'll put it that way. <laughs> As long as you're not upset about it. No, it's all good fun. Yeah. So that's the main thing. How long have you had art in the art gallery here? Uh, I believe it's coming up for three years. And they've been open four or five. I came in just the year after they had opened. So. Do you feel like it's been a great place? Or um, like, how's it been sort of working with A plus? terrific yeah. Yeah, yeah they're completely not what I expected but in a good way yeah, yeah. but yeah I mean I stayed out of galleries for so long because I didn't want to be around pompous asses really and right. I, I didn't want excuse my language but uh, <laughs> it just I didn't like the stigma mm. of everyone has to be, I don't want people to be stuck up, I don't want people to see me as stuck up because I'm an artist. Right. I'm down to earth, I think, and I'm easygoing, and I think that's the way it sh a lot of artists are. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think the majority of them are. There's only the odd one or two. I feel like a lot of art galleries, and don't get me wrong, I haven't been in a ton, but the fact that it's a place where everything is everything's super clean, yeah. there's like lines that you can't go over, yeah. everyone's quiet, it just feels like a place where there's going to be a lot of assholes. Yeah, exactly. And then I can see, and then also you're like, are they going to you know, trash my work because whatever, because they're right. pompous, and yeah. I can see it being like not a thing you'd want to... No, they tear you down quite a bit and they it's not very conducive to being inspirational no. to keep going no oh that's 
that's something I, I have trouble with because there's a lot of people who go through terrible difficulties just to become an artist or to well, become an artist to practice it. Yeah. They sacrifice other things. Yeah. They get criticized from people who think they're wasting their time, and then on top of all that, then other artists are going to video hurt them also. That just sounds horrible. Yeah, my family never really supported me following right. my art. They're like, get a real job. They actually said that? Yeah. I tried real jobs. <laughs> Supposedly real jobs. Supposedly real jobs, yeah. yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Made me insane. Well, there's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate this. Yeah. yeah. To be able to say I hate this. Yeah. Um, I should. I feel privileged in that my mom and my dad have never told me straight up like you need to. I change careers, and it doesn't matter the details. But I'm just saying like they they have not explicitly said go back to doing what you were doing because this is a bad idea. They yeah. never said that, so I appreciate that. Yeah. I can see what my dad's thinking it, <laughs> but he's nice enough not to say it out loud and so yeah. on. Plus, I know that he cares, and he doesn't want me to be, I don't know, struggling, or whatever. Right. That being said, um, there's certainly like a line that people should, it's really disrespectful to talk, to tell an artist like they're wasting their time doing what they love. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why that's sort of considered okay. I don't know. <laughs> people can just have that streak in them where they, uh, B Billy Connolly used to say, uh, nerve, you're glad you don't have in your teeth. You yeah. Know, to, to talk to people like that. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like you've gotten sort of better at, at getting around that criticism? Like just it's disregarding still, it? It hurts. Right. It hurts. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. I hope I'm not on some sort of quest to destigmatize career choices because I've said uphill battle. There's a lot of that. But I hope that, you know, gradually. Whatever it is about art where people think that it's sort of like this goofy thing to do on the side when yeah, everyone in the world... It's a hobby. A it's hobby. Not, it's right. not It's not a job. It's a hobby. Right. It's what you do in your spare time. Yeah, well, that's what I do all day, every day. Which is great. I mean, A, the world's a better place to have all your art in it. And B, everyone has art in their house and on their phone. And they watch movies. They yeah. listen to music, and it's yeah. like, what are you talking about? This is everywhere. Yeah. It's a career, just like anything else. Yeah. Uh, with the possible exception that it can be very much more daunting to need to make a living off of it. Yes. Yeah, because you're a one-man, one-person, I should say, with army. Yeah. You don't it's have okay, to you're a one-man band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I have, and, and that's kind of like my personal Yeah. It's like a structure, and you weren't alone. Right. And then being sort of, you know, now in a position where oftentimes you feel like it's just you. You're the, you're the sole creator. Right. So that can be intimidating. It can. Um, and I certainly wouldn't want to make you feel like my therapist. But I'm just saying that's <laughs> where some of these questions come from. Is because I think I have thought about this stuff, especially in low moments where it's like feels like too much to deal with. 
And people in the arts are usually very sensitive in my, in right. my, with my knowledge of people that I know, and that they're, right. they're very sensitive, they're very intuitive to what other people are thinking and yeah. what's going on around them. Double-edged sword, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But of course, it makes you who you are, so you can't. It does. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was curious, given how much experience I know that you've done figure drawing. Yeah. How does one get better at drawing hands? Hmm. Good question. Well, you have to look at it not as a hand, but you have to look at it as lines. As you, that's the same with everything. It's like with color, you have to see it. You can't see it as black and white. You have to see it. It's not just a shadow, mm. a black shadow. It's There's color in it. So this is actually my question, because you went from doing a lot of black and white art to doing color. I did. And I just wanted to ask you about how that, how that went for you. And uh, if you feel like you're still sort of getting comfortable with How does that, do you feel like you're constantly um, building, trying to get to a new level? Or are you kind of happy with where you're at? Um, well, you always try and improve on what you've previously done. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't consciously say, okay, this one has to be better than the first, than right. the first one. I just have to think, I think this one's going to be good, this one. And you've got to have the energy. You've got to say, okay, this one's going to be good. And you've got to believe in it while, right. while you're working on it. Otherwise, what's the point? You're not going to have fun. So what's the point? So you would definitely stress the importance of enjoying what you're doing. Definitely. Yeah. Would there be any other things that you would sort of, like, I guess, share with artists who, who are um, maybe closer to the beginning of learning what they do? Just have fun. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry too much about whether it looks right to you because there's always someone out there that it appeals to them. I think last, uh, or earlier on rather, we had talked about artist block, mm -hmm. writer's block, that kind of thing. And I was just wanted to ask you if you had ever found like a good solution for artist block, or if you even really get it, because I don't know if everyone gets it. Oh, I think we all get it at some point. Mm. I've got it on and off right now, but I mean, I've been called a prolific artist because I paint so much in so little time but then lately I haven't I'm lucky if I do one a week and that's unusual for me usually it's one a day one every couple of days when you say one a day do you mean finishing one a yeah. day wow yeah are they all the large ones pretty big yeah like the three feet by four feet some of those take me three four days to do but is that beginning to end That's why I said last time that some artists get annoyed with me because <laughs> I can do it so quick sometimes. 
Well, when you put it that way, you kind of sound like a machine. <laughs> yeah, I churn them out, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I know the best, best, I mean, the most satisfied I ever was with the drawing, I think I, for like three weeks, I did this thing where I was like, 10 minutes a day, I'm just going to draw for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So instead of, I guess, you don't really think about what the end's going to look like. You're just like trying to make a certain little piece of it look good. And yeah. then it's basically like 30 of those little pieces come together at the end or whatever, right? And then you're like, wow, that's actually, I can do that if I spend this much time doing it. <laughs> but could it, would it, I don't know if it would have been the same if I, you know, was for eight hours straight. I probably, I probably would have got bored. Yeah. And to, to do a whole painting, which I feel like you don't have an eraser, right? No, well, I get up and in the morning and I'm already excited about painting and I can't think about anything else and so I just have my coffee and then I get at it. That's a good, that seems like a really good space to be in. Yeah, it is Want when you be. can be in that space. Yeah. Right now I'm having the block where it's difficult to go into my studio and spend even half an hour at it. Mm. Like right now I'm working on a fire, a close-up of a fire truck and I'm, mm. I'm just details in it I mean I can do details it's not a problem but I just I don't have not the stamina it's not that it's I I don't have the enthusiasm for as long and I can't keep my train train of thought going right. for as long yeah I mean, so I, I take a lot of breaks and then I feel like I've done nothing do you get to the point where you wish you pick, like, picked a different uh, subject matter? Like, do you feel like it's the subject matter that's slowing you down? It's like, oh, if, if only this were a, an otter, if only this were a Coke can, I would be going I'll so much I'll start something else. Yeah. I'll go to something else and try that. I've got many projects on the go that I haven't finished that are so close to finishing, mm -hmm. but I'm like, oh, I just need a couple of minutes to finish, but I just can't. I don't know if it's the subject or because my even when I did an otter that was quite detailed too so most of my work is detailed so it's just I think the whether it's restricted detail or whether it's free flowing detail like with feathers and mm. fur it's free flowing yes so I can sort of play with colors and not worry too much where my brush strokes are going. Mm -hmm. But with something like realism, one of a close-up of a truck, like doing the grill itself, you've got the crisscross and mm -hmm. just doing that is just painstaking and you mm -hmm. just want to get to the rest of it. Mm -hmm. It's not going as fast as you want it to. Yeah, I mean, I know that um, you had sort of offered before, like, thoughts to me on, like, art and how that relates to mental health. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other thoughts on how you, on that, how you found, like, balancing that in your experience? Um, I think, like I said before, it gives me some purpose, and when I'm not doing it, I think that's why I feel so down and get hard on myself when I don't do it, because it 
gives me joy, it gives me purpose, and it fills my day, and I feel useful. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing, when I feel useful, in any sense, you know, whether it's with friends, whether it's with mm -hmm. art or anything, I feel like I have a purpose in life. And it's, it's really cool to know, it's cool to find out like things that you can do to make yourself feel useful because I think a lot of the time, if you don't have that sense of purpose, life is very difficult. It does. Yeah. yeah. And potentially, potentially lonely too. It Although, is very lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, when did you first sort of realize that art gave you such a strong sense of purpose? Like, when I was a young kid, probably. A I lot found of I had sorry, I no, found I had connections with people that way and they were positive connections. Right. And the way I grew up it wasn't a positive situation. So mm. when I got the positive reinforcement through art and music mm -hmm. then because I'm a musician too so okay but I just I just found another avenue that was more positive for me that I could escape to and then having sort of discovered that all these things these things that bring you joy and make you feel useful mm -hmm. uh, it's important we when we talked about this earlier about how like art or creativity isn't always encouraged mm -hmm. as a career path for reasons. It's not a career or it's not worth per persevering and mm -hmm. following your dreams. I I got a a friend said something to me the other day and it was your dreams don't work unless you work at it. Mm. And that is so true. It is true. Yeah. And the double edge of that is then when you are having downtime or whatever, burnout, whatever, then you really feel bad, like you were saying, because it's like, oh, I'm not doing, yeah, I'm not making not my dreams work right dream now. Work. Yeah. Because there's really just nothing that's free, right? No. Yeah. You have to work at it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you uh, were a musician, are a musician. Yeah. What could you tell me about that? <laughs> uh, well, one positive thing my family used to do was always play radio really loud all the time. Right. And it was pretty popular stuff at the time, and uh, like Pink Floyd The Wall, and mm. you know, it was everything from old country to Pink Floyd The Wall and Glen Campbell, and you name playing it, they were playing a bit of everything, so I got a, a big variety, and uh, my sister had got this, you know the tiny little git guitars that have got three strings for kids that, I know they call them ukuleles now, but, but they're just toys for yeah. kids to play with, well, my grandmother that I really looked up to, she used to play this one instrumental piece all the time, and it was a guitar piece. Mm. And I learned to play it by ear. Mm. I just picked up the, on this little guitar, it wasn't even my little guitar, and I picked it up. And then 
my parents bought me a guitar the following year, which I still have. I got it when I was like seven. Wow. So, uh, but I, I did learn to read music, mm -hmm. but I found it kind of too restricting because I just wanted to go off on my own and I found it more rewarding and challenging to learn it by ear. So, I mean, I can play the entire score of Pink Floyd The Wall on my guitar. You know, I can... Impressive. I can, yeah, so things like that. I, I knew that by the age of 12. I did that by the age of 12. But, you know, so and I played various musical instruments in band and things mm. like that. But I've always gone back to the guitar. Do you have a favorite song off the wall? Or they're not all songs, but... Like a part? I don't know. I like the whole thing. I've always, it's always resonated with, I've always connected with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a special one. And you, you probably found with Floyd, like, especially if you go back earlier, yeah. it's weird. Yeah. It gets really weird. And then there's a lot of later stuff that I like of theirs too. Yeah. The wall sort of fits this. Well, it's partly the message, right? Yeah. It's basically about people getting shoved into boxes. Yeah. And so. then the part two of that was the final cut, which not a lot of people have heard. Including me. You haven't heard the CD, The Final Cut? I don't think I have. Because that's where Roger Walters wraps it up for everyone. Wraps up the story. Yeah. It's a good one. It's an album? Yep. And it, one of the lyrics was, at close to the end of in that, was I didn't have the nerve to make the final cut. Hmm. So he was talking about suicide. Hmm. You know, so... Uh, but he ended up moving on and getting on with things in his own way, or he escaped in his own way. Would you say like it? It adds a lot to the wall. Like you can't really have the wall without the final cut. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know it's there, I've, and I've heard it numerous times because the psychiatrist told me about it, who was very into Pink Floyd as well. Wow. And very <laughs> up on the fact that I could play it, and knew that my story growing up related right. in a way to the wall. Yeah. That encouraged me to listen to the final hmm. cut. And now I will have to go and listen to the final <laughs> cut and find out what it's all about. I only have a few more questions. Okay. Uh, tea or okay. coffee? Tea or coffee? Yeah. I like both. Excellent. Coffee first thing in the morning and then tea or coffee during the day depending on the weather and everything. Is caffeine good? Or bad? Good. <laughs> Everyone's got a secret weapon. <laughs> I don't need it, but it helps. <laughs> Thank you so much for meeting with me twice.
thank to you for this interview it was a lot of fun thank you for putting up with me for <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i made it <laughs> you did <laughs> no we, you get was, a badge <laughs> i hope so no it's been great and then also of course um if we can you know we'll check in with you a bit further down the line but it's great to know the artists who are right here in red deer mm. You know what time it is. It's time for me to thank Amanda Frost, who made the time for this interview. I am most grateful. Amanda is a delightful person to speak with and an excellent painter of ostriches and other things. Thank you, Amanda. Of course, I want to send my thanks to Michael and Randy at A Plus Art Gallery. As always, you guys rock. And my best wishes to all you listeners. Have a great day.